Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I won't hold you for too long. We actually talked about this last year, but I want just to review it again because Theophany is actually one of the greatest feasts of the Church. And Theophany was held above um, the Feast of the Nativity by far. Of all the Orthodox churches, both Eastern and Oriental, only one church actually has preserved, to my knowledge, the true tradition of celebrating the Feast of Theophany and not Nativity, um, which is the Armenian Orthodox Church. Um, and they celebrate it on, on January 6th. Um, because the early church didn't have a feast for the Nativity, it's something that we made up later because of, of pagan celebrations that were happening at the time. So we ended up making a feast for Nativity um, as a pastoral need, not because the church actually celebrated it. And so Theophany was seen as a big deal, and rightly so, and I, I feel badly that it's not getting its due today. Last year we did the full thing, and I'm apologizing that um, I'm selling you short um, and going a little bit shorter. But the full festal rites and rubrics belong to the Feast of Theophany. And some of us might not realize why that's a big deal, um, that Jesus got baptized and, and might think, so what? But it's important if we understand the whole story of salvation, which is what we're talking about at the retreat, which is that when man and woman were created, they were given the image and likeness of God, right? We talked about that a lot. But St. Cyril tells us that the breath of, of the spirit that was given to man was not just the human spirit that's in the image and likeness of God, but that man also received the Holy Spirit in the beginning. Um, and so we did have communion with God. And it was our communion with God that allowed us to become immortal and to be incorrupt because we were not any of these things by nature, right? Man can't just live forever. Man is made out of something. So he can't, he can't by nature live forever. But it was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that did this to us, our communion with God. And so we see that as soon as sin entered into the world, right, that our unity with God was compromised, and we see a very obscure verse in the beginnings of Genesis after um, Adam and Eve left the garden, where we see a verse that says, my spirit, is God speaking, my spirit will no longer strive with man. I will wait for a season and go. So basically he's saying, I can't coexist with evil. It doesn't work, right? So I'm not going to fight with man. I gave man freedom. So if man wants sin, he can have sin. But he can't have me dwelling in him if he chooses sin. And so we lost the Holy Spirit. And that's why for the whole Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit working externally to the people. right? And so we, they pour oil on somebody who is, who is consecrated, and God would work through specific people. They're not over all the people. right? It would be something that was special access that not everybody could do, and in a very limited way. And so this was a huge deal because it was a consequence of our, of our separation from Him. And the result was that we couldn't access the life of the Spirit, right? So all of these gifts that we're said to have in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit, which is what we celebrate on Pentecost, right, which is our receiving of the Holy Spirit, um, are things that we couldn't have. They were not accessible, right? They weren't, we weren't able to have them. And because of it, we lost the relationship with, with God. And so... The whole Old Testament is a striving with humanity, right, for us to try and struggle and aim for holiness. So why then is it a big deal that this happened is that we look at the incarnation that we celebrated last week, I was saying that God became man to restore man's fallen nature, okay? If you think about it, 
is that when we had sinned, we became diseased. As an analogy, think of it as your parents committed some major crime, okay? And as a result, they're in prison. And now you are born in prison, okay? So you don't inherit the crime of your parents, right? Because you didn't do it, right? So we don't, we don't bear guilt for the crime of our parents, but we definitely inherited the consequences, right? So here we were in, in prison, waiting for somebody who could liberate us, right? And this was all we talked about, about the, the Feast of Incarnation, so I won't retell it. But what Christ was doing for us was not just one event, right? I encourage you all to read on the Incarnation by St. Athanasius. It keeps coming up. It's important for you to read it. It wasn't just in his becoming flesh that everything was accomplished, but he was achieving in the flesh what humanity was always supposed to have. And so when Christ received the Holy Spirit, what was important about this is that this was humanity able once again to have the Holy Spirit dwell within it. So it was a monumental occasion because if Christ, who is perfectly God and perfectly man, did not receive the Holy Spirit, man could not receive the Holy Spirit again either. Right? He was fixing, he was undoing all of the issues that we had, all of the problems that we had in the Old Testament, one by one he is fixing them. Right, Which is why soon, very soon this year, we celebrate Holy Week right, and, and, and the, the institution of, of Eucharist. Right? And then we celebrate the resurrection, the conquering of death. And then just like we were in the garden, supposed to live as in heaven, right? the Feast of the Ascension becomes a big deal because for the first time in history, human flesh is entering the kingdom of heaven. Right? These aren't small events, right? Because sometimes we just wonder what's the big deal, why are we making a big deal out of it? But they're, they're, they're huge. So that's, from a theological perspective, the first part of it, and the other part of it I shall dwell on, is the revelation of the Trinity. Right? This is why some people don't call it epiphany, we call it theophany. Um, because epiphany just means revelation, right? You can say I had my epiphany moment, I had my, my eureka moment. But theophany means God revealed. And we're saying this because we believe that God is Trinity. And this was one of the only times in history where the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity, are manifest to humanity all at the same time, right? Because believing in a Trinity is not actually very easy to do. It's very difficult to grasp. Um, and on a logical level, it doesn't even make much sense if we were to not look at what is present, but just try and achieve it through logic. But what we say is that God reveals himself to man, and he revealed himself as Trinity. So we have no ability to ask him, why are you this? Because it's just who he is, right? But he revealed it to us, and so we don't just say you're a Trinity because it's cool, right? We say it's a Trinity because this is what he showed us, right? We don't understand how they are in unity. We have analogies, we have types, we have symbols, um, but we'll never understand the, the absolute nature of the Trinity. So these are the two main aspects of the Feast of Theophany that I hope um, we take and, and meditate on a little bit and think about how lucky we are that our Lord cared enough um, to fix for us the problems that separate us from Him and that He Himself bowed Himself, um, taking the form of a servant to rectify our situation and to restore our perfect unity with Him, to be Him be the glory, honor, and worship now and always and to the age of all ages. Amen.